say, oh, hey, oh, it's ready PG. I don't know if that made any sense. It's okay. You guys, I was just asleep. <laughs> <laughs> this will be interesting. This is not a lie. I was literally just sleeping. It's a power nap. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here for all of you. So be fucking grateful. Okay, here we go. <laughs> this Whoa. is Rated PG. <laughs> I'm Melissa Pressman. I'm Benji Pressman. And... We love each other and are married. That's and true. <laughs> and we have three boys. Nathan, he's four. Mm-hmm. Liam and Charlie are two. Two and loving it. Oh. Oh. And uh, God bless us all um, because of our lovely new family member, Fluky, the dog. Um, we... Not on purpose. We had a different plan, but uh, Liam and Charlie went cold turkey with the pacifiers because they kept giving them to the dog, and the dog ate them. them. (laughs) And then it was just like, well, we were going to stop when they turned two. We were going to wean them off, so we're just not going to buy new ones. But what is this, night three, four? Yeah, three or four, and it's... It, it's gotten, but I I feel like there wasn't as much screaming. To, to, to no, I, I mean like they're the, going to bed is bad, but the they just wake up screaming too. That's the, the that's wake a up disturbing. The wake up is a little bit harder because they're just like eh, eh, and they want to go in the closet, which is where we would keep the extra pacifiers. And oh, it's not good. But tonight it felt like they just uh, stayed up chatting. Yeah, they were just like, "Hey, bro, what's up?" Oh, my so yeah so that's that and and uh, we watch movies that our kids watch to sort of break them down and to stop the madness of the repetitive nature of watching the same thing over and over again Wait, does that make any sense? I don't know if that makes sense, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I was asleep. And <laughs> <laughs> if you recall, if you are a loyal listener, thank you. Um, we are doing, this would be the week of the uh, parents' uh, choice. Throwback. Throwback. Third week throwback. There we go. <laughs> we, had a, we had a catchy name for it in there somewhere. Um, and this was your choice. Yep. And this is a movie that our children have not watched. No, they have not seen it yet. A, they're really not old enough to understand it. And B, I'm very nervous to share this with the children because I think I have a lot of emotional investment in it. (laughs) And if they reject it, I'm not sure... How I will respond. So you were <laughs> you were talking about <laughs> what was it like Star Trek the other day, and Nate was like boring. Oh, and he <laughs> just <laughs> stabbed me right in the heart. Just oh man, it was so funny. <laughs> I felt myself just die a little bit, just a little bit. Something about like dolphins, and I don't know, but 
Yes. We don't need to get into it and have me like shot down again. But I do think he actually will like Star Trek someday, but not ready for that one either. So anyway, we're going to talk about The Princess Bride. Yeah, The Princess Bride. Which is a movie I watched a lot mm-hmm. and is still my favorite movie of all time. Um, so I'll read the description and then we can talk about it. Okay. Uh, this is the worst IMDb description I've seen so far. Oh, oh dear. While homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him a story called The Princess Bride. I mean, that is an accurate... Well, that's what... That is, that's right. Yeah, but it doesn't tell you anything about the movie. Except that that happens. But that is the movie. Yeah, but that's just her way into the movie. But that's the movie. This is true. So <laughs> they're not wrong. <laughs> what was your experience with this movie? Uh, we would watch. We watched it growing up. I don't know, like how often. I'm I'm sure it was one that got rented, and it was definitely like a, a sleepover movie. Um, and it, in seventh grade, we read the book. Which is also very good. Yeah. Different, but good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, our family friends had this at their ha- at their ski house. So we would go up to their house. Oh, excuse me. Yes. We would go up to their house <laughs> for vacation. What? And while we were lounging, okay. we would watch this movie. Okay. Very hoity-toity. <laughs> um, so that was where I experienced it originally, but... I mean, I've probably seen this movie more than any other movie. And in fact, most of my notes are just quotes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, probably this will go the same way as um, like Grinch and Rudolph, where we just sort of share. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So how did you feel about the framing device of Peter Falk reading to Fred Savage? Oh, well, first off, I just, like, I love the way it opens with the, well, now it's old-timey, but at the time it wasn't old-timey, but the video game, the baseball, mm-hmm. like, watching that, it's just, you're sort of like, wow, things have really progressed quite rapidly. It really sets it With in a time. With the video game technology. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that game. Oh, those players don't move very fast. Um, and then we have Baby Fred Savage and Columbo. Yeah. Uh, as a child, I thought I looked exactly like Fred Savage. So my <laughs> mental image of myself <laughs> was oh, Fred Savage. Oh, wow. So, so much. Everybody take that in for a minute. If you know what I look like, you could kind of see it. <laughs> and then go and and read something about that in some like psychology. Yeah, book. go get like DSM four and <laughs> diagnose me. Because <laughs> there's something there. <laughs> I'm not gonna get into it. I know too much. Um. So yeah. So we got Baby Fred and Columbo, and then and I do. I really like the way they get into it. I like how. It's not just this movie. It, it, it is it's the book. Right, because it does, 
it does start to set a tone. And I think one of the things I really like about this movie is it, it it's doing a lot of different things, but it, it's very tonally kind of consistent where it's, it is a romance, it is an adventure story, but it's still like kind of tongue in cheek and like mm-hmm. aware that it's kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that framing device kind of gives, gives a little bit of that flavor as it goes. Yeah. But that it's still like emotionally investing. Yeah. All at the same time. Yeah. All those things. One thing I did notice was he had an b- open bag of Cheetos in his room and he's like recovering from a terrible flu or something. Oh, I don't know if that's what the case is. I don't. Or did he have like he was very sick? That's all he, we know. That's all we know. We don't know because at one point, like his mom brings him food and he has like a sandwich and stuff. Yeah, so so I, was just I don't like, know. I did not get a bag of Cheetos when I was sick in bed. Did you, you have Cheetos in your house? I definitely ate Cheetos growing up. I don't know if my mom ever would purchase a bag of Cheetos. Well, so there, there you go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, we get into the movie. Or we are in the movie, whatever. We get into the story, the book, mm-hmm. which Baby Fred was like, "Fuck this! What is this shit? You got me a book? I don't think, Grandpa. Do this, Columbo. Go solve a mystery, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and and then they're like showing everybody and like uh, Wesley, which I just realized some what. I just realized somehow hot, hot, hot. that it's Wesley with a T. So, like, some people really pronounce it like Wesley. I always just assumed it was Wesley without a T. Oh. Did it say that in the credits? I didn't even notice. Yeah. Whatever. But, yeah. It don't matter. Dang. Carrie Always and Robin Ray. <laughs> two pretty people. I was like, whoo. I mean, I remember crushing on that. Howard. <laughs> when I was little. And then Buttercup's hair, that's Robin. That, I mean, that hair is unbelievable. And she got an introducing credit in this. I mean, she'd done like one or two things, but she basically was unknown. Yeah. She was cast in this movie. I mean, it was gorgeous. And she's got like those beach waves that everybody's trying to get now. In her hair? <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Very confused look on your face. Oh, I couldn't read my handwriting. Sorry. I might have been like falling asleep as I wrote. I would do that in high school. Did you ever do that? Like there'd be like no I mean, I still do that now, like when I'm writing and I'm like falling asleep. <laughs> it's more in college, but yeah, you like look back through your notes and you just see like a line kind of <laughs> start to drip down like the right hand like because I'm right handed, so just kind of like peters off into an even more incomprehensible scribble than my regular yeah. handwriting, yeah. and then just like kind of goes off the page. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's awful. So yeah, no, I figured it out. So they're like the grandpa's like telling this whole story, and it's clearly a love story. And baby Fred is like gross, icky. This is a kissing book. I hate it. Um, and then he's like, no, no, let me tell the story. And then he says, like, Wesley had to go off because they were in love. And he's and he's like a farm boy. He's poor. Yeah. So he's he's going to go off. Oh, and he says, as you wish. Instead of I every time yeah. she asks for something. Uh, so he leaves and then he gets murdered by pirates. <laughs> Baby friend's like, murdered by pirates is good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, it's like, oh man, yeah. Because he's, I mean, as the Fred Savage was like ten or eleven when they made this movie. Um, so I guess yeah. I'm assuming the character is around that age too. Yeah, yeah. So it's right around that border of like, oh, girls are still gross and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess so. Whatever. So then, uh, she finds out that Wesley's been murdered, like, because the boat was taken over by the Dread Pirate Roberts, and they don't take, they takes no prisoners. Takes no prisoners. No survivors. Um, So she sort of, that's it. Like, she's done. She basically dies on the inside. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, is it five years later? Yeah, five years pass, and she is getting presented as a princess. Right. So she's been picked to marry the prince. And, I mean, like, <clears throat> excuse me. The, this is the one thing, like, after I read the book, like, these moments, I do feel that they didn't do as good of a job as they could have in sort of, explaining this like she in the book like she was basically the most beautiful girl like right in because she's she uh, you know even though wesley worked for her family she was still just like a commoner she was not in any way like royal bloodline or anything like that so that she's marrying a prince is a big deal right and that was the whole thing is that she was like this gorgeous woman and then like the most gorgeous woman, the prince was like, well, I'm going to marry her. And she was just like, whatever, I don't care. Right, because it would help I'm her. I'm dead f- inside. It would help her family out, so. It was like, like something. she doesn't care. Like it gets more into. Yeah, I, I mean, And again, like I know you can't do everything, but I do, I, I do feel like there was, you could have put like a moment in there to sort of explain how he got to her. Yeah, well, I think. It is interesting because William Goldman, who wrote the screenplay, also wrote the book. So he's adapting his own work. Yeah. And I think the movie really moves pretty quick at the beginning. Yes. Like through that story. So I think it was just like, it almost, that doesn't matter. I mean, it would be nice to have that explanation, but all you need to know is she's going to be a princess and eventually, like what else you find out? Mm -hmm. Because she gets introduced as this princess, which by the way, super weird to just be like, hey everybody, look, it's my... My new lady, mm-hmm. she just like walks out in a courtyard and everybody bows. That'd be a weird experience. Yeah. Um, and then it's very quickly into the like thick of it in the plot from there. Yeah. So I think it was more just like, because then they would like, are we going to introduce her parents as characters early on? Like, But I'm not saying like you had to introduce the parents or anything like that. There's just like a... Th- Something where it was like, I chose the most beautiful girl in the land. Like, he doesn't, like, say it. He just says she was a commoner like you, but now she's a princess. Like You won't find her so common. Right. Like, I just, it, it was, it's like a line. It's not, I'm not saying you have to introduce new characters or mm-hmm. a scene. Just something that sort of frames as to how he got to her. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you could have said, I found her in a village. And couldn't take my eyes off her. Just, yeah. Like, something like that. Some, like, I'm marrying the most beautiful girl in the town or something. I don't, just something. All right? Come on. That's all I'm asking. Because <laughs> they, I mean, they really do get into it in the book. Yeah, well, the book. And I know books can't, 
and movies are not going to be the same because you have a different amount of time. So I do understand that, but that's, I'm just saying. Yeah, the book has a lot of asides about like, she was actually like the fourth most beautiful woman at this time, but you could tell she was like, or like, like it's like, she's like the 20th most, but she's like rising fast on the charts. There's a lot of like weird asides oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Like he was having a lot of fun. Oh, with that's that. right. There was all that. But yeah. So all that. So then. You know, she's not really happy. She doesn't actually want to, but she doesn't care. It's just like, whatever. And so she likes to ride her horse. I mean, if you're going to be unhappy, might as well be rich, right? So she goes off riding her horse. It feels weird that she has nobody going with her. I mean, it it makes sense with what shakes out, but is she always just going off riding alone? That's what it seems like. Yeah. That's her normal routine. Her normal routine. Uh. So she heads off, and then she's riding, and then she runs into these three men in the like the woods, and they're uh, the one, the shortest one. Wallace Shawn is like, ah, we're circus performers. Is there a town nearby, or you know, whatever? And she's like, no, there's nobody for miles. And he's like, great, then no one will hear you scream. <laughs> but then she doesn't end up screaming. Well, no, because. Uh, Fezzik is who is played by Andre the Giant is very um, capable of just putting her out with like a neck. Yeah, he does like the Vulcan neck neck grip. Is that what is that what it is? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and she's just like. Ah, ah. I mean, if you if you pinch the right artery, mm-hmm. I think that can knock you unconscious pretty fast. Dang, that's crazy. So, so they get her onto a boat and. While while doing that, Vicini, yeah, Vicini, Vicini, he is like ripping off a uh, a crest of the neighboring town and putting it onto her horse, and is basically like, "We're gonna start a war between these two towns." So ha ha ha. And he's a real dick to everybody. And so they get um, they're on the boat, and then the other the other character is. Um, Inigo? Inigo, yeah. Uh, and he's played by Mandy Patinkin. I mean, just a great cast over all the way through. And, you know, and they're trying to figure stuff out and what what's coming next. And clearly, like, Vicini is just, you know, horrible to everybody. And so it seems like, but Inigo and Fezzik get along. And they're doing, like, the whole rhyming thing. And Anybody want a peanut? Which is how that scene ends on the boat. Because he says, no more rhyming, I mean it. And then he says, anybody want a peanut? <laughs> Which was, I feel like that was something we used to do all the time. Yeah. Like that line. We would say that line all the time. And it did does feel a little bit like when you were a kid, you'd be like making a joke with your sibling and mm-hmm. your parents would get annoyed at you, but you just think it was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Not so good at rhyming. Um, <laughs> Just they're sailing along. Eventually, like she jumps in the water, and there's like shrieking eels. I remember as a kid, those things freaked me out. But man, they look hella fake. Right? <laughs> they look so bad. But they were giant, giant eels. But I do like. I mean, this they do it every now and then, and not so much. It's not too much that it's like jarring, but um, at this moment, like they cut back to uh, Columbo and Baby Fred, 
And he's like, uh, and Columbo's like, oh, don't worry. I'm not going to read this. You look really nervous. And he was like, I'm not. I'm not nervous. It's fine. Like, keep reading. So he's getting into it. Yeah. And then he goes back to reading. And then um, as he's reading, like, his voice is being. Because he's, like, restarting. But what's uh, what's the word? Like, his. Yeah, dubbed over, like. The characters, so mm-hmm. the characters are his voice is coming out of the characters, and then he's like, "No, no, we were already there." And there was like this interesting moment, and I, I don't know if this was on purpose or if I'm just I was just putting my own like thought on top of it, but it looked like there was a moment with Robin Wright where she was like, "Okay, get to the part and where you're supposed to be in the story, where she's <laughs> in the water, like waiting." Yeah, like there was definitely like treading water, and like there was like sort of like a look on her face, like she was an active participant in the storytelling. Does that make sense? Yeah, and maybe it was just like the editors were like in the editing room. They're like, "Oh, this is nice." Yeah, like we got a good, like it could have been an accent or it could have been directed that way. We don't. I don't know. I don't know. So I just liked that moment. I thought that was fun. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but as an aside, Peter Falk was like sixty. Mm-hmm. When this movie came out, do you feel like they put old, like aging makeup on him? Oh yeah, right. He oh, looks yeah. older than like they aged him up, right? But he looks like he has makeup on. Yes, the there's a lot of makeup issues in this movie. <laughs> it does not look <laughs> natural. Yeah, <laughs> it's not naturally aged. <laughs> no, like they they definitely silvered his hair and like yeah, put like too much blush on him or something no, or, was... or foundation or bronzer or something. Yeah. So that happens, and then I can't remember if it was before or after they got her out of the eels, the eel-infested waters, um, that uh, Inigo keeps looking back, and he's well, like... Well, it was before, because... It was before, okay. It must be a fisherman out for a pleasant sail in eel-infested waters. Yeah, okay. Um, so, but he had noticed that there was a boat following them, and... Um, Fezzik was like, it doesn't matter. Like, it can't be anybody related to what we're doing. So it doesn't matter. And let's just keep going. And they keep going. And then they're like, he's like, but the boat's gaining on us. And then they get to like their destination, which is the cliffs of insanity. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, he's too late. And they start. um, Yeah, they strap onto Fezzik and he starts pulling them up. Well, and my thing is, I guess they already had the rope in place because yeah, it all was just out. there. Um, and he's just pulling. He's got all three of them strapped to his body, and he's just going. And he, I mean the the However, the wide shot. Yeah, I, I motor this like I don't know what they did. Whoever but it, they have climbing those ropes, they are fast. Yes, both that guy, whoever that person was. Yeah. Because somebody is climbing a rope, even if it's just for a little bit, with dummies or something strapped on. Yeah, but they were, I mean, they were fast. But then... And then they noticed that... Some guy jumps um, off the boat following them. And he's following them, and then he's coming up the rope, too. And that guy, whoever that person was, like, no legs or anything, just, like, free climbing, like, crazy up that rope. They were so fast, so fast up the rope. I don't know. Did you ever do, like, a rope climb or anything in gym (laughs) class? No, oh, I would. Man. I couldn't even do the fucking pull up, man. I no. was just like, no, fuck you. And I would be the. It, I, we never had to do it, but I do think I would somehow maybe made it, if I made it to the top. I would have been like, oh crap. 
Now what do I do? You just go back down. Yeah, but that's scary. Once you look down, then it's real. Just like a uh, wily coyote in the cartoons. Just like when you're having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> when they hand it to you, you're like, oh shit, this is real. <laughs> no, when you look down, <laughs> it's real. That was real. Real, real. Whoa. Real talk. Real and dance. Real talk, yo's. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So they make it to the top of <laughs> the Cliffs of Insanity. And what's his butt? Vizzini. Vizzini, yes. He, he cuts the rope. And uh, the man is still, like, he's just hanging from the cliff. And he, and he keeps saying the inconceivable, which is the line that everybody turns into the meme. Mm-hmm. Which is... What is it? What what what? I don't want to say it wrong. What Inigo says? Yeah. I don't think you mean that means what you think it means. Oh, he says you keep saying that word. Yeah. Because he keeps saying inconceivable, and he's like, you keep saying that word, but I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> I probably didn't say that right, but anyways, good enough. But I know that that became like a meme that people like put everywhere. All that that pops up all the time. Yeah, I was trying to as we were watching this, I was trying to think back and like. Who was I rooting for when I initially watched this? When I didn't know what was going to happen, like, are you? You're obviously like, okay, these people are bad, mm-hmm. but is this other guy good? Like, because you don't so, know. But as soon as he gets up, you know who it is. I don't know if I knew the first time I watched it when well, I was then like seven. You weren't paying attention. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't just like because those look eyes, at those beautiful, those dreamy beautiful eyes. eyes. <laughs> so, so, anyways, he has on a mask. He's got like a masked uh, do rag. Yeah, basically. Um, and so they're up there, and so Vicini's like, "Okay, you deal with him. So either he's gonna fall while he's trying to climb, or you kill him when he gets up here." And then he's like, "Fezzik, you come with me. We're gonna take the princess and keep." Keep going. Um, and so Fezzik says to Inigo, like, be careful. <laughs> People in masks cannot be trusted. <laughs> I mean, that's probably true. They're, they're, you know they're hiding something Which right from the jump. I liked. It's <laughs> funny. <laughs> like, seriously. So then, you know, they're, he, and Inigo is so excited to, like, sword fight. Like, he just, he loves it. And right. he's just waiting, and he's he's talking to the guy, <laughs> and he's like, "Look, I I'm, I'm kind of busy, to, <laughs> trying to come up as fast as I can here. It'd be more helpful if you sent me a rope." And he's like, "Well, there is some rope, but uh, when you get up here, I'm going to kill you, just so you know that." And he's like, "Okay, well then." I think he says that does put a damper on our relationship. Yeah, then maybe <laughs> I will uh, take my time here. And he was like, "But no, I won't. Like, I promise you'll get up safely." And Giving my like my word as a Spaniard, and he's like, "No good." <laughs> it's like, and then as soon as he's like, I, "I swear on the soul of my dead father, you'll make it to the top alive." Mm-hmm. He's just like, "Throw me the rope." I'm like, that's a different time. And then there's the, a time of honor. And then he gets up there, and and then he's like, "Ready?" And he's like, "No, no, rest. Like you get get yourself ready." And then he even hands the dude his sword. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, check this thing out." Like you're about to fight a duel to the death and you let the guy hold your sword. I tell you what though, man, like sword fighting was such a different different uh art form. Well, I think 
Like we, when people would like battle with swords. Yeah, but I think I mean, you seen like Braveheart, right? No. Well, <laughs> in movies where like this, where like they fence, mm-hmm. it was very different than what like a real battle with swords like. Like later, it much later in the movie, Inigo fights like four dudes and just like kills them all in two seconds. Right. That's probably more what it's like. Like you no, die quick. No, no, but I mean, like they're going to like they want to have a battle with each other, right? And it is set up in the book that Inigo is the greatest swordsman mm-hmm. in the world. It's or, right. or up there at least. Like he yeah. hasn't been challenged by anybody with in yeah. terms of sword fighting skill in a long time. Yeah. So they're battling back and forth, back and forth. And then he's like, and he goes like, oh, well, here's the thing, though. I'm not left-handed. Inigo says this. That's what I said. Yeah. And so then he switches hands, and then he's winning. And then the masked man says, well, I'm not left-handed either. So he switches hands. And then it's like everything Inigo does, like the man in black, like, one-ups him on it. Yeah. And then... <laughs> like, when they there's swing like this, on this, like, like gymnastics like, rope thing or... Just not a, rope, uh, what like is a, that? It's just, like, a parallel bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, like, and he, like, he swings. And he goes swings, but the man in black, like, does a full... Does a full, like... Full f- circle. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and like, like, flips when he gets off of it. I just get crazy, okay? Yeah. So, I know that that sword fight took a few days to film. Mm-hmm. And I, they had spent, like, months training to fight and like really mapped it out. And I think their trainer was like the same person who trained the like uh, uh, Star Wars people. Okay. To sword fight. Because this was all shot in England. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, so that was really um, fun. It's a just it, like these moments are. are and there's. And they're like they're having like like. Is it quippy? Is that yeah? There's really like I mean, dialogue back and forth. There's and a, it's really some very quotable movies like yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I'd hate to kill you. Hate to die. You know, just like yeah, this just, kind of repartee. Yeah, it's like back and forth. It, it's really really fun. So you know, the man in black bests him, and then he's like, "Okay, well, kill me quick." And he's like, "I can't kill you. You're an artist. Like I, that that'd be horrible. But you can't have you following me." So he knocks him out. And then he he's running, and then he catches up with Vicini and Fezzik, and he's like, I don't know how this is possible. You get rid of him. And he was like, well, how do I do that? He's like, just stand here and throw a rock at his head. He's like, well, that doesn't seem very sportsmanlike. So <laughs> so he when the man in black gets there, he like throws the rock like near his head, so he knows he's there. Yeah. Did the rocks kind of look like the rocks that turned out to be trolls? Yeah. Frozen? Yes. That was what I was thinking. <laughs> they did. Because we just watched that one. Um, and then that happens, and the rock, and then and then they, they have their, like, quippy back and forth, and then they're like, we're going to battle just, just hands. Hand mano y mano. And you really realize, like... How large Andre the Giant is! Yeah. He's oh, like, I love when he like runs up to him and is like trying to like, like he like push bear hugs him him. over, and he just can't even like, like move his body. Right, he can't even get his arms all the way around. But it's not even that he can't get body. his arms around. It's that as he's pushing, his body doesn't like you know like when you're pushing up against something and there you have some give. Mm-hmm. There, there's no give. Yeah. I mean, he's like a se- seven foot <laughs> plus tall, 500 solid, pound man. Solid man. So, 
<laughs> so that was funny. So they battle, but he somehow does like a like a sleeper hold yep. or something, and and finally Andre goes down, <laughs> and and then he's like, I do not envy your headache, but dream of big women <laughs> or something. Large women. That's it. Large women. <laughs> yeah, and so then we then we see Humperdinck mm-hmm. in action. First of all. They really dress him like a total, total douche. Like whatever, like the douche equivalent, like, I don't know. Of of old timey? Yeah, like the Ed Hardy of old timey or something. I don't know. Like. <laughs> the Ed Hardy of the Renaissance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just really like very silly outfits. I yeah. thought that was funny throughout. And yeah. He kind of, I, I, Chris Sarandon embraces the silliness of those outfits, I think. Yes, for sure. But and he and he does think he is the greatest thing ever, and he just and he he keeps saying like if we don't find her alive, there's gonna be a problem. There's gonna be a problem. Right. Um, I mean, we're gonna spoil this movie anyway. But there is one moment where you could see him like, sort of being like, like his face like actually showing like I'm saying this as a performance. Yeah. So the other people hear me say this. Like you can see that on his face. I thought that was a good little moment. Yeah. Seeing it for the. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, 50th, 60th time. Um, and then, <laughs> so then, uh, then we cut back, right, to... Um, yeah, now the man in black comes to Vizzini sitting there mm-hmm. with Princess Buttercup. Uh, like, sitting there, she's blindfolded. And he's holding a dagger to her throat. And, but it looks like he set out a picnic? Yeah, he's like, let's hang out. What? <laughs> you know. And he's like, clearly, you know... You've you've bested my sword swordsman. You've bested my giant. So let's I you know like well, what are we gonna do? And he's like, well, let's have a battle of of like wits. And he and so he's like, okay, let's do it. So he pours um, some sort of poison. I can't remember what it's called. Iocane powder. Iocane. And and he's like, so you know, and now the the battle begins and he did like the thing where he poured it like behind his back or whatever and then put the cups down and you don't know what cup the poison's in and that's the battle and then Vicini's like doing this whole like thing and he just keeps being like and that's why the the drink is not in front of you and that's why the poison's not in front of me and he's like going through this whole thing and they have like their you know witty back and forth. Everybody and in this movie the, is very clever. The dizzying intellect. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was interesting, like, they mentioned Australia, they've mentioned Spain, but the two main countries in this are not real, like Florin and Gilder. So right. it's like in our world, but not in our world. Yeah. So so they're going back and forth, and then um, he... Vicini pulls Vicini, a, he's like, what? what is that? And he, he <laughs> terrible. Looks, and then he switches the glasses, and then he's like, "Okay, let's drink." So they drink, and he had no reason to switch the cups. He could have just said, "I'm going to drink for the one in front of you." Right, but he did it anyways. And then um, he uh, he starts drinking, and then he starts laughing, and then he's like, "What? Well, what's so funny?" And he's like, "I'll tell you in a little bit," and then. I can't remember, but he says something like, I switched the glasses mm-hmm. 
And then he's like laughing, 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 and then just dies. <laughs> yeah, he just like kills over and dies. Like mid laughter. And we find out the man in black had built up a tolerance to the poison and he put it in both cups. Right. Which so is it didn't like, you know, you really got to think outside the box for that to, to solve that one. Yeah. So he didn't, um, he, he was like, he was going to win no matter what. And then, we, um, and then he takes uh, Princess Buttercup and they start going and, you know, and she's saying all these things and she's like, you mock my pain and da da. We're not and he quite was like, life is pain. Anyone who tells you different is trying to sell you something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But right moment. before that, we had another scene of Humperdinck. Oh, at the giant. Where, where the giant. And yeah. I just thought, it was, first of all, I said, someone has beaten a giant. Like, how many giants are there? Apparently there's a like, few. Oh, yeah, just giants, whatevs. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, is he, is like, did actually like a separate race? Like, are there just like a population of giants somewhere? Maybe. Maybe, but... From the book, that's not the case. Um, but also, he says, like, if somebody has hurt Buttercup, I'll be very put out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of, like, he keeps being, like, if something's happened to her, if yeah. she's hurt, if she's, the, you know, all this stuff. So, yes. So then, and then we're back to them. Yeah. And the pain. and the, Yeah. Yeah. And then... Like, he's basically, she's like, I know who you are. You're the Dread Pirate Roberts. And he's like, yes, I am, and whatever. And she's like, well, you killed my love. And he's like, so, who cares? And they have this whole back and forth. And then I don't remember. He So they see the prince on the, like, well, hill they, above, But right? they were having, like, they were saying something. I don't even know that they fully took in that the prince was above. But he and was just distracted enough. He was just distracted enough, and she was like, you can die. Or she did something, and she pushed him as he went down the hill. And then he was just like, as you wish, as he's going down the hill. And then she's like, Wesley! Oh, and then she throws herself down the hill. I have to say. And they're like, ooh, it, ooh, stunt doubling. Amazing. It's <laughs> really ridiculous. Like, it's... You don't even have to slow down the movie to no. be like, that is not them. No. And they watch you watch them roll for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> but my thing is, too, I don't know. Like, this always, it, every time I see this scene, it just makes me think of, like, did you used to roll down hills when you were a kid? Yeah. I used to do that all the time. That's I a very, loved, that's like. A, no, I know. This very, is very, very different. Steep, but, but it just yeah. always made me, it always makes me think of that. I love rolling down hills. Yeah, not a lot. I of don't oppor- now, but. <laughs> not, not as many. Opportunities in LA. For some, no, like, we don't have a ton of hills no. that are rollable. Yeah, we have a ton of hills. Don't get me wrong, but not like that. And you know, and and they get to the bottom, and she was like, "Oh my God, I thought you were dead." And and he said, "Death cannot stop true love. Only delay a while." Yeah, and it was, and then they're like, "Oh my God!" And then they notice, then they take in that the prince is there. And now they're like, well, we need to get away. So they're like, we're going to go into the fire swamp. And then you hear uh, Fred Savage say, uh, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that was weird as I was thinking about this is they talk about there's like certain dangers of the fire swamp, but they also talk about nobody's ever survived the fire swamp. So mm-hmm. how does anybody know that those dangers exist? I don't know. Like, how would you know that thing? There's just gouts of flame and uh, lightning sand, which is quicksand. Well, it's even it, 
quicksand is like wet. This is like super dry, fine sand. No, but I know, but I'm saying it's, just it's, like, like, it's like quicksand. Like you, yeah. you go into it. I think quicksand, though, is slower. Right. Descent. And this is lightning. That's how fast it is. Like, yeah. boom, you're, under, you're underground. Yeah. And then uh, the ROUS is the rodents of unusual size. Right. So they're like, whatever. Once we get, so they encounter all those. The rodents of unusual size. Is someone in costume. Totally somebody so in, weird. in a silly looking like rubber rat suit. It's, <laughs> and it, it's just weird because it's it's an unusual choice. Right. So, and it's like they had better technology than that in 87 mm-hmm. or 86 when it was made. So it is a choice. Like there is a certain kind of throwbacky feel to this of like a studio movie in some ways. Like mm-hmm. the way the sets are done, like the production yeah. design, like. Maybe it's a budget thing too, but it does feel a little old, even for the time, like kind of an old school approach to making the movie. Yeah. Um, and my one thing, like w- during the ROUS moment where Wesley's like being attacked, I just like made note of like that Buttercup's helplessness is annoying. That yes. she's just like standing there. Yeah, she is. I find that really, I don't know. I just. I feel like if they made this movie now, she would have a lot more agency than they did at the time. I, because I do, I feel like she had a little more agency in the book. I'm trying to and remember. Maybe not. I don't know. But it just—it well, was just annoying. Like she's just standing there. I'm like, you're not even gonna try to help. Like you, this is the man that you thought was dead. Like your true love, and he's being attacked right now. Like you're—you're you're gonna just watch him die. Yeah, I mean, that you're is, not going to do anything. I think in the book, she's actually kind of portrayed as not being very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if they wrote the character that way, Robin Wright is too smart to be that that dumb. If that makes sense, yeah. Like she has her her actual intelligence comes through to some extent, but they do make her a little uh, like. She, you know, she's constantly being rescued, right? Right. Which, I mean, I get it. That's... It's a fairy tale, whatever. <sighs> the way it was, whatever. <laughs> but I found that annoying. So they, they make it through the fire swamp, and they get through. But then Prince Humperdinck and all his... His, his goons. His buddies are waiting for them. And Buttercup notices that there's basically snipers which is, but they have like crossbows. Yeah. So snipers of that time. Yeah. Um, like just waiting and she doesn't want anything to happen to Wesley. So she's like, I'll come with you. Just send him back to his boat. I feel like for all the skills they've showed Wesley have, where he's basically the most capable man in the world, mm-hmm. wouldn't he have noticed those crossbowmen? But I don't know or that he, he too didn't. inflamed in the moment. But I also don't know that he didn't notice right. them. She kind of undercut him. Yeah, I, you know, maybe he was already like coming yeah, up yeah. with a plan in his head of how they were going to get out of there. True. And she just went. She saw it and went, "Oh, okay, I'll come with you. Don't worry." Um. So obviously he's not going to go to his ship. So they take him to the pit of despair. <laughs> Oh, and we find out that the man, basically, like the prince is like right hand man, six fingered, six fingered man, which was who is Anigo is looking for because that's the guy who killed his father. Yeah. Also, Christopher Guest. I mean, again, yeah, because <laughs> and he and Rob Reiner 
because Rob Reiner directed this as Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. So like they had worked together on that yep. movie. Yep. So that uh so we have like that like story has been sort of pushed forward also. Mm-hmm. Um and the pit of despair. Quite the happening. set. Yeah. And that's where we see the the albino. Yes. And for he, the first time. And I just always love where he's like, the pit of despair. Yeah. And then he like clears his throat and he's just got a normal British accent. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, don't try to run away. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that gag. Uh, and then he is, you know, cleaning up his wounds and taking care of them. And he was like, we just need you healthy. So I think because they want to see like how this torture machine works. Uh, and then after that, we, excuse me, we cut back to um, Prince Humperdinck and he's having, he's talking with the six-fingered man. Well, right? Well, there was, um, I think that, I think it's right around here. I can't remember the sequence exactly, but that we have another scene where it's like, uh, you hear Peter Falk saying like they they get they got married. It was the day of the like, and they announce Buttercup as the queen, and it was her oh, her dream, right? Her dream. Yeah. So uh, Fred Savage is like, "You're messing up the story," and I feel like that's what how Nate would react. Yeah. If we were reading like a book like this to him, yeah. and it was like suddenly didn't go the way he wanted it to, he was like, "Yeah, you're obviously telling this wrong." Yeah. Old man. <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> and then also as a kid, the, the lady who boos really freaked me out. Yeah. She freaked you out. Boo. Boo. Bow down to her. Boo. <laughs> so that is a dream. It's not yep. real. And then she runs into Prince Humperdinck, who is having the conversation. Yeah, he he's talking, I think Rugen's in the room. With the, you know, and they're having the conversation about how they, he's the one trying to start the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying how, you know, he thought, like, because the people really like her. And, you know, he thought after the engagement announcement, her showing up dead would have been, you know, pretty terrible. But it'll be even worse after their wedding night when he strangles her. Yeah, so I wrote down he's the original Hans. <laughs> Except... She doesn't like him. Right. No, I know. But it's um, still like that that kind of heel turn from the prince. But you never liked him, but right? No. Yeah, yeah, he was never set up as somebody that we thought was a good person. I feel like... I, and again, I don't know, because I, I can't help but just... Every time I watch it, I watch it knowing... Knowing everything that happens. ...what I know. But I don't ever remember thinking he was a good guy. And I do remember, like, the first time I watched Frozen, even though I was an adult watching it thinking Hans was a good guy. Like he was the love interest. I didn't, when that flipped, I was like, what? Yeah. But he still has the sort of like, I'm just going to use yeah. these people. Oh manipulate yeah. Situations. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. For sure. I mean, they're princes, you know, they're not like us. Or are they? Listen, Harry, if you want to invite us to the wedding in May, we're available. Send the invitation. And a jet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our kids are the same age as your niece, nephew. Right? They're going to have a grand old time. Should all hang out. We'll have fun. 
So just, you know. Make it happen. We'll, we'll be waiting. And you can, you can like, paperless post invite us. You don't have to send it no. in no, the mail. No. I need people to arrive with trumpets carrying a scroll. That's, that's the royal wedding way. You know what? You're not invited now. <laughs> all right? I'm coming by myself. All right? I'll bring the kids so they can all hang out. But y- your need for fanfare, <laughs> forget it. Uh, so then... <laughs> <laughs> you are uninvited. So then he... the. <laughs> so this is where the prince is like, I'm going to send my ships to find your dude. And if... Well, because she, she comes in and is basically like, I can't marry you. I love Wesley. I've always loved Wesley. And that's who I need to be with. And he was like, okay, fine. I, I don't want you to be upset. So... You write, let me propose this to you. You write four letters. I will send my four fastest ships in, the, you know, the four directions. And they will find, you know, the Dread Pirate Robert ship. And they will give your letter. And if Wesley really loves you, because you did leave him, then he'll come back for you. And if he doesn't, uh, we'll get married. Yeah, and it's sort of like, how does she not realize that he's just lying right to her face in that moment? I don't know. So then the prince and the count go to like the pit of despair door, which mm-hmm. is like just in a tree. Yeah. Um, and I really like their interaction here. Because I'm oh, like, yeah. they're evil, but they, I think they actually care about each other. <laughs> and he's just like, it's like a normal, like two middle-aged dudes kind of conversation. Like, of well, like, he was like, he was like, do you want to come in? You want to hang? It was like, do you want to hang? I was like, I got a lot of shit to do, bro. But his shit to do is like start a war, is like no, murder his wife and he, frame another country no, for he, it. He's like, I've got to plan my country's 500th year anniversary. I have to start a war. I have to murder my wife. My plate is full. He's I like, just, I'm, I'm swamped. I'm swamped. I can't. <laughs> and then the count's like, we'll get some rest because if you don't have your health. Don't have anything or something like that. Yeah, it's, like, it's like a totally ridiculous banal interaction about like pretty horrible things as the count's going downstairs to torture somebody. Yeah. So he so he goes in to the pit of despair and Wesley's hooked up to the machine. And I don't exactly know what it is, but once you it turn looks on impressive. the water, yeah. Somehow it sucks his life it out. It sucks life out. And the number that it's on is the amount of years that gets sucked out of your body. Which does raise a question later that I, I want to talk about, but I'll hold it. So he starts at one, and then as he's talking to him, um, he's like, you know, we may go to five at some point, but I don't know. Like, let's just see. Let's just see how this plays out. And he's like, Super he's like keeping a, a journal. Yeah. And he's like, so please be honest. Like, how did this make you feel? Remember, this is for posterity. Like, it's like, it's so ridiculous. But I also just like the amount of love that everyone in the pit of despair has for torture <laughs> yeah. is so, yeah, so disturbing. Yeah, because the albinos are sitting there like, hmm. Mm, torture. Oh. <laughs> uh. <sighs> And then I don't know what happens because my next note doesn't feel. Well, maybe it is right. Because then I have like Buttercup goes back and he's the prince has been talking with like his head security or whatever. 
And, you know, he's like, I need, this is happening. Um, Form a brute squad. Yeah, do this because we've gotten wind that, is it Gilder's the other country? That Gilder is going to kill kill my my bride-to-be. Like, that's their plan. Like, they're going to be here the night of the wedding. So you need to clear out the, like, forest of thieves or whatever. Is that what it's called? Yeah, thieves forest. Whatever. Clear all that out. And, and he's like, I don't know if we can do this. Like, you have to and blah, blah, blah. So that was one moment. And then this is the follow-up to that moment where he's coming. He's like, we've cleaned up the forest except for one Spaniard. All this is going on. And Buttercup comes in and she's like, have you heard from Wesley? And he was like, no. Or no, not. I can't remember why. She walks in and he was like, oh, are you ready? We're going to be married tonight. Yeah, you, you skipped a couple things. What happened? I asked what happened. And I, you just sat there. Well, because you were talking about the first time and that was where we were at. And then you jumped to the second. Then time. what happened? So that's when the brute squad gets formed. And then we see them clearing out the forest, except for that one Spaniard, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where Fezzik and Inigo get united back together. And then we see Fezzik, Nurse, Inigo back to health. And then after that, he's like, we need the man in black, mm-hmm. right? He's like, where are we going to go? How are we going to find him? He's like, I don't know. And that's when she comes back. Okay. And then... They think she realizes that Humperdinck is li- has lied about. Well, she doesn't realize it at first. Right, no. Like, she comes in. I don't know why she comes in. He says, you know, are you ready to be married? And and then tomorrow, my whole armada, like this whole thing. She's like, except for your four fastest ships, right? Yeah. And then, you know, so so then she actually, like, pushes back. Yeah, she... And he's like, you're a terrible person. I hate you. Fuck off. And he was like, I wouldn't be saying those things. And then he like locks her in her room. Yeah, and then, and then he th- he's basically throwing a tantrum. And then he goes to the pit of despair and just like, he's, he's basically like, I get it. You guys love each other. You were, probably would have been happy. Too bad. And then he pushes the machine all the way up to 50. Not to 50. And then... He dies. Yeah, and he is screaming. Yeah, and you like see like everybody, everybody hears, hears it. it, and that's when like and he goes like, "Oh my god, that's the man in black." Let's go. So they go. He was making the sound that Inigo's heart made when his father died. Yeah, he's like, "I know." He's in, and he said something that I, I was like, "Well, how do they know that though?" He's like, "His true love is marrying someone." I was like, "How does he know any of this?" There does seem to be that information out in the town. Like that, Fezzik gathered, but unclear how he would know that. That there was another man in the picture. Yeah, that the man in black was pursuing Buttercup because they were their true love. Like, yeah, that he shouldn't have that information, but somehow they do. Yeah, I don't. And I, and, and again, it, this could be something that got explained in the book. Like maybe they had that conversation in the sword battle, but in the movie they didn't. And then it just didn't get... Yeah, because... I don't know. In the movie, it's basically as Fezzik nurses... While he's, like, basically sobering Inigo up, because Inigo's just mm-hmm. on a bender, he tells them all about, like, Count Rugen and, like, all that stuff. But I also feel like... But it's uh, unclear how Fezzik would have some of that information. But it, 
it does feel, I do feel like in the book, this was a, a period of time. Whereas in the movie, they had to ramp up it's the stakes. Like, it's the last day of the wedding. Yeah. But it, all of that happens in like an hour. Right. It's like, how does this all happen? <laughs> <laughs> What's the chronology? So it, I don't know. It was a little weird. Um, so they go to find the man in black. Um, and they get to where they heard the noise and they see the um, albino and they're trying to get information from him and he's not, he's not forthcoming. And so Fezzik hits him on the top of his head and then he just passes. <laughs> like, Fezzik, drug his memory. And it's just like clunk. Like, yeah. You really think you, a giant, a giant, clubbing a guy in the head with your fist is going to help him remember something? It could. It didn't. It did not work. Um, so, <laughs> so then, you know, it, and you go, like, praise to his dad and is like, guide my sword. Like, we need to find this man so I can avenge you. And he, the sword takes him to the tree. Which I wonder what it was like for Manny Patinkin. Like, I, felt, I wonder if he felt really silly, just, like, kind of weaving around with a sword. Um, and then he, he's, like clearly disappointed like this did not work and he goes to like lean on the tree and then he hits the knot that opens the door and so they go in and then the next thing like they're in the pit of despair and that was one thing that I really remember from the book like going down to the pit of despair was quite a journey well because not because it was not easy to get to where they were they do play up in the book that the prince is this great hunter Mm -hmm. and he has built this multi-level like place where he stores all the deadliest creatures in the world yeah and then he goes and like basically fights them yeah and like and like they build up this whole thing of like the world's deadliest spider and like oh they're about to and then like one of them just, when they get there it's just like oh a spider and just steps on it right yeah. so like and it's like this huge thing and yes it in the movie it's basically just like a Basement below a tree. Right. <laughs> so, but they find him and they're like, he's dead. And and he goes like, I'm not giving up. Like, get him. Like, do you have money? And Fezzik's like, I have some. He's like, well, I hope it's enough for a miracle. So then we get to Miracle Max. This is just a weird interlude in this movie. It's just like. But it's not. It's. I mean, it's. It part all flows. Of the, but it's, it's part in the of book. the book. It, they didn't like make it up for the movie. It's definitely the most blatantly comedic part of the movie. Yeah, who is, and Miracle Max is Billy Crystal. So back to the makeup problems in this movie. (laughs) Oh, man. He looks ridiculous. (laughs) As does Carol Kane, who's his wife. Yeah. They just, I mean, they don't look old. They look like trolls or something. Well, I think that's what they are. They're not people? I don't think so. Oh, well, that makes a difference. I don't think they're like people people. I just thought they were supposed to be like really old people with terrible makeup. No, I think they're sort of another breed of something. Being. So, so yeah, so they lay him down and he's like, I've seen worse and he's mostly dead, but he's not all the way dead. And, and he's like, but you know, I have to, I have to see, like, is it worth it to help him? Like, what? why is he still alive? So he does 
the uh, the thing for the fire that helps. Bellows. Yeah. yeah. You see a lot in like a forge too. To um, like pump the fire up. So he uh, he pumps him with air and then he pushes and he says, Drew Love. And he was quite like, clearly. And then. <laughs> And then he goes like, "True love, that's that's a that's a totally noble cause. Like you have to help him." And he's like, "That's not what he said. I heard him. He said to blathe, which we all know means to bluff. He owes you money from cards or something." Liar, <laughs> liar. And then Carol King comes in. <laughs> They're definitely having fun. And yeah, and it was like this whole thing about. Prince Humperdinck had fired him. Like he had worked for the king, and Prince Humperdinck fired him. And you know, basically everybody thinks Prince Humperdinck is a sack of shit. And, yes, he is. Um, so Inigo and, basically says, "Well, but and 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 Carol, I I don't remember the wife's name, so I'm, now I'm calling her Carol Kane. But uh, she she was like, ever since he got fired, it's really messed with his confidence and this whole thing." And he was like, well, if you help this man, like, he's going to destroy Prince Humperdinck. And so then he was like, okay, I'll help you. <laughs> Nothing like spite for motivation. So so they did this whole thing, and he, he made, like, a, the miracle pill, and they gave it to him at the gates. Yeah. Well, not right at the gates, but they were, like, at the wall looking into the gates. I mean, one of my favorite lines of the movie is... As they're like Miracle Max and Valerie is the character. Okay. Name. They're like waving goodbye. They're like, have fun storming the castle. <laughs> and like, do you think it's going to make Do you think they're going to make it? And he's like, it's going to take a miracle. <laughs> but um, uh, so they get there and they're, they're waiting for him to sort of come to. Not for very long. No, not for very long. It goes pretty fast. And does it? I fell asleep at this moment. <laughs> but. He doesn't he like wake up screaming. He's like, yeah. He just says a bunch of like, "Who are you? Where am I? I'll, t- yeah. I'll fight you all." Yeah, it was like, like this crazy thing. So then they start they start going into it, and then you go, I can't remember. I just wrote like the end part because I I was like, oh, I can't. It's going too fast. But he was like, oh, let me explain. No, it's too much. Let me sum it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> And so he tells them, like, what's going on and what they're going to do. Yeah. And so Wesley's like, we're never going to make it. Mm-hmm. If only I had a wheelbarrow. Like, oh, we got a wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. Like, well, why didn't you say that? But if only, I, if only I had a Holocaust cloak. And then Fezzik just has a Holocaust cloak. Yeah. So, again, in the book, there's a whole mission that they have to go on to use this Holocaust cloak. So it explains why he has it. Yeah. They just, it's like, I liked it. It was at the house. Yeah. So now they have a the capability to get past the 60 men guarding the door. At least yeah. they have a plan. Right. And while they're waiting there, because um, his body is, like, coming back to life. But he can basically just move his head and, like, a finger at this point. But he but he moves his finger for the first time while they're sitting at the wall. And Fezzik's like, oh, that's great. You're moving a finger. And he's like, I'm a fast healer. <laughs> he, says, he says I'm a fast eater. No, he said healer. I think he says fast eater. Why would he say eater? Because he absorbed the pill really quickly. I'm pretty sure he said healer like I'm healing quickly. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> he didn't eat the pill. He swallowed it. Well, maybe I got that line wrong <laughs> my whole life. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. 
Where were you looking? Are you going to look up the script? Go find it? Yeah, I'm like, it's going to take too long. Yeah, it is. I'm right. <laughs> Probably true. And if I'm not right, please tweet at us. Thanks. Or if we are right, tweet at me and tell me I'm an idiot. I like that better. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they get up to the castle, and like their plan is they're making... What's his butt? Fezzik B, the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah, on top of the wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. So his giantness is super giant now. Yeah. And like somehow Inigo is pushing him on the wheelbarrow while dragging Wesley. Yeah, I know, right? Got like that core strength. So so he's he's doing that, and then Fezzik's like, I am the Dread Pirate Roberts. You're all going to die. Like It was like this whole thing. And then they lit the cape on fire. Yeah, because I guess that's the power of the Holocaust Club because yeah. you don't get burned up right. inside it. And and everybody there freaks out. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, and they go inside. They get inside. Um, and then they get the key from the guy, yeah. the like head security guy or whatever. And the wedding has already started. Yes, right? the like wedding. Yeah, we're like cutting back and forth between that. And then there, there was like the the crazy. Is it like a priest or something? I don't know. Bishop or whatever. Whatever he is, but he's like, twelve. Yeah. <laughs> Marriage. <laughs> Marriage is what brings us together. Today. <laughs> it's like this crazy thing. And then, like, Prince Humperdinck is in this whole thing where he's like, just get to it, get to it. Like, he wants it to be over. Because he, want, he wants to get to the next step, which is to kill Buttercup. And they know something's going on outside. Right. They know they can hear. There's, like, a thing. Everybody's freaking out. So he sends the six-fingered man, and he goes with, his, like, a group of people. And then... And that was the scene you're talking about. Like, an ego just takes them all out. He's like, yeah. choo, 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 choo. and then he says his famous line. And the six fingered man runs away. He just like <laughs> bolts. I'm like, eh, you know. Oh, what's the famous line? Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And the guy runs away. Yeah. Uh, so then he's like chasing after him. And, uh, and then he gets to a door that's locked and he's like throwing himself at it and like screaming. And I'm just, that's like when the kids are in their room with the door shut. Like they're not supposed to be able to get out. <laughs> and they're just like, let me out! Let me out! So that was pretty funny. And then Fezzik had to like put him, uh, Wesley, like he propped him up on like a knight. <laughs> like a suit of armor. Yeah. Um, and then, so he goes and he breaks the door down and then he goes, and then Fezzik goes back and Wesley is gone. Yeah. And the, he's not at the suit of armor anymore. Yeah. Also, at some point we did see the king escorting Princess Buttercup to her room. That, I think that I think happened right around, right around there. But because then we see that um, Inigo has gone down the stairs and is going after the man. And I does their battle happen first? So I think so if I think what happens is we see her tell the king like I've always been very nice to me. I'm gonna go kill myself. And he's like, Won't that be nice? That's lovely. <laughs> he's just she like, like a senile kisses, old man. She like kisses him and he's like, She kissed me. He was just like so excited. He didn't even care. <laughs> but she was basically like, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, so then 
Yeah, so then we see Inigo chasing the six-finger man. The six-finger man throws a dagger at him, mm-hmm. and he just kind of slumps to the ground. And then we cut back to the Princess Buttercup's room, and she has this like ornate box with a giant dagger in it. Yeah, sure. Is that just how it is? I don't know. And she's about to kill herself, and then Wesley like says, hey. I mean, I don't remember. He actually talks, has some other line, but. No, he says it's a perfectly lovely pair of breasts. Be ashamed to ruin them. Yeah. That's right. That's what he says. And then she just starts like, she just like jumps him. She's like, oh my God. And she's like kissing him. And he's like, be careful, be careful. And she like lifts his head up. He's like, gently. (laughs) (laughs) And she drops him. Um, And then. And then we see. And then we go back to the battle. Battle between Rico and, and the count. And that's a big to do, but he 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 avenges his father. Yeah, I mean Count Rugen because this is where his love of pain mm-hmm. does him in. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get taken down by their character flaws. Mm-hmm. Like Vicini thought he was super smart. Yeah, so that killed him basically. Mm-hmm. Count Rugen, his love of pain, he should have just finished Inigo off when he was like slumped on the ground. Mm-hmm. Instead, he sat back and just like watched him struggle. Yeah. He missed his window. Yeah. And he it. dies. And then we get the showdown between Wesley and uh, Humperdinck. Yeah. So he goes into the room and then he sees them. And he's basically like, I'm going to just kill both of you. That's just what I'm going to do. And and then Wesley has his whole speech about how that they're not going to. To the pain. To the pain. And then he explains what that is, how he's going to leave his ears so he can hear people scream about the horror that is him. It's pretty intense. Um, and then uh, he's like, well, I think you're bluffing. And he's like, am I bluffing or am I not? And he like stands up and then like lifts his sword and is like, go sit down on the chair. And he just does. I mean, like he's, he's a coward. He, yeah, he's not really. He's got no backbone. He's a he's a bully. So he goes and he sits on the chair and then Buttercup's tying him up. And then we see Anigo, he shows up. And then he's like, you need to like help him. Because <laughs> he starts to fall over. And he's like, I knew you were bluffing. <laughs> and I was like, shut up. I know it. And she seems... So one thing that maybe this is explained off camera, but she seems totally cool with the guy who had like helped kidnap her. Mm-hmm. Just like run into the room and like helping Wesley. Yeah. And well, also cool when like Fezzik shows up down below. I mean, she she could tell they were nicer than Vicini. Yeah. But they still kidnapped her. Yeah. But I think it, there could have also been like they were clearly working for him and maybe, you know, they're not bad people. I don't know. So, um, but yeah. So then they're like, well, where's, where's Fezzik? We lost him. And then he shows up on the bottom. Um, he's got four white horses and he's like, I thought this might be helpful. So I got them. So they all come down and right off into the, right off into, into the sunset. The, well, not, I guess it's they ride off into a very painted <laughs> landscape. I guess it's the sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they, they kiss. Oh, and we also find out before they jump that, uh, Anigo is going to become the Dread Pirate Roberts mm-hmm. because he was like, I've been in the revenge business for so long. I don't know what to do with myself. Where's that sequel? I don't know. Um, and 
And then they're and about. Then they have like one of the greatest kisses ever. Well, they're about to kiss, and then the then Peter Falk is like Columbo. We're done. Yeah. It's like, wait, what happened? Well, it's the kissing stuff. He's like, it's okay, Grandpa. You can read it. So I just wrote down like, did he go through puberty like during the course <laughs> of this book? Oh my God, my balls. <laughs> <laughs> so then. <laughs> Exactly how puberty works. <laughs> I know. Um, so then, you know, they end the, the book. He had a great time. He was so happy his grandpa was there. And he was like, Grandpa, can you come back and read it again? And his grandpa was like, as you wish. And that was sweet. And then we go into the um, credits. And I did not know that Norman Lear was the EP on this. Yeah, he... Somehow, I, I'm trying to remember from the book I read, but he did get pulled into the project. I think, um, and I think he connected Rob Reiner to the script because, okay, correct, because Rob Reiner was on All in the Family. Yes, yes, he and was. They, they were they might have known each other before that just because of Carl Reiner and Norman Lear being mm-hmm. sort of I think contemporaries, um, but. I think there was some connection that way. And so then, because they were having like a hard time getting funding and everything. And so I think okay. he like helped. I think he might have said like, I'm going to make sure this movie happens. Got it. Because I, I think what was happening was the book was getting like passed around and like people were like owning the rights. Okay. Before it got turned into a screenplay. Got it. Yeah. And then Mark Knopfler did the music and like that last song, like I don't remember the last time I sat through the credits yeah. all the way. Oh, weird song. It is a weird song. It is. It's a weird song. Yeah. Kind of strange ending <laughs> to it. But yeah. So yeah. So that's the Princess Bride, y'all. I mean the movie. The movie holds up. It is I it's a good movie. I mean it was good. Then it's good now. It's good for all ages. Four quadrant movie. It's great. I love it. I always enjoyed this movie. Me too. I think the kids will like it. Yeah, I think maybe when Liam and Charlie are like six, we could like sit yeah. them all down and watch it. Yeah. We did take, I don't know if you remember when we took Ava and Olivia to like the drive through They were not old enough. They were not old. I don't think. It didn't go well. <laughs> no. It was, <laughs> was, it was also like not the greatest environment. Yeah. To watch But it was, I mean, it was, it was fun. It was we had fun. a good time. I think, yeah, I think we had a good time. But yeah, it was crazy. It's also just uh, don't take small kids to a place where you're blocked in. <laughs> was right. the other lesson right. we learned. That was important. <laughs> we were parked in on top of a parking structure. Yes, because there aren't actual like drive-in movies anymore. So nowhere. That's a bummer. I don't think so. Mm. Not that I know. What a loss. Saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit at a drive-in movie. I went. I remember going to the drive-in in high school, and I don't remember what movie we were supposed to see. I just remember Spice World was on the next screen. <laughs> there was more than that's not a drive-in movie. There, it they w- had. There were multiple screens what? at this drive-in theater. It was like a two or three screen drive-in theater. And you pulled into different lots, but you could still see the other, like one of the other screens. That's weird. Yeah. It's intense. Because usually the drive-in is just like that giant screen. Yeah, but this had multiple and like you just had different like channels to flip to. 
So, okay, so it wasn't, wasn't a drive-in. Where you had to put, like, the speaker on your car? Uh, this one, the way it worked, if, if I remember correctly, they just broadcasted on a radio station. But yeah. you drove in to face the theater in your car. It's still driving. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. I know. This was also 20 years ago. I don't really remember. It's not the same. You put the speaker in the window so you could hear it. It's very different. And that's the Princess Bride. It's the Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So if you guys have any suggestions of movies that you want us to uh, watch that maybe your kids watch way too much and you just want to hear another person's opinion about it, or maybe you have an idea for our throwback that you were like, I loved this movie as a kid. Because I feel um, like for us, it's going to be like a lot of 80s movies. Because that's when we were kids. That, that is true. Um, uh, you can reach out to us. You can reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at Rated PG Podcast. Like on Instagram, you can just send us like a picture of the movie. Yeah. We'll know. We'll know what that that's means. That's all it takes. Um, and you could put hashtag Rated PG Podcast. And we'll know. That's for us. Uh, and then on Facebook, we're at PG Podcast. Uh, and if you could, please, please, please. I know we ask this all the time. But if you rate, review, subscribe, it really does help. It makes a difference. And we could uh, use it yeah. to help. We could use the help. Help us out. We'd love it. Because you like us. Yeah. Hopefully. And if you know. don't, then why do you keep listening? <laughs> I don't know why you're an hour and 18 minutes in on this podcast if you don't like us. Weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be back next week. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we'll be back next week and with another kiddo movie. Uh, God. They just keep coming. <laughs> but just remember, everybody, the kids aren't watching it. We ain't talking about it. Bye.